0: Hi, I'm Vanessa Morris, and I'm a proud Yorta Yorta, Jaja and Wurundjeri woman. And this is the podcast of Triple R's Banksia, a weekly show celebrating First Nations music, arts and culture. Banksia is broadcast live on Triple R from Wurundjeri country every Monday from midday to 1pm. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch via the Triple R website. You're listening to 3RRR and I am Vanessa Morris and this is Banksia and I'll be here with you Up until 1pm, wherever you are, I hope they are going well. It is quite warm outside today, so if you're in Nam, I hope that you're able to enjoy some of the weather. Uh, As always, thanks to Kalia and Dylan for holding it down on the grapevine over the last few hours. And before I keep going with things, I would, of course, like to take a moment to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, the first peoples of the land in which I am joining you from and pay my respects to elders, past, present, emerging and future. I would also like to acknowledge all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people who may be listening in right now. Sovereignty has never ceded and it always was and always will be Aboriginal land. As mentioned earlier, I'm Vanessa Morrison. I'm a proud Yorta Yorta, Rong and Wiradjuri woman, and this is Banksia, a show which is dedicated to First Nations music, arts, and culture. And the last time I was on the air was for my radiothon show last Monday, and I was lucky to be joined by Emmy and Bumpy of the Pop Up Show Pebbles. To which, yeah, it was really beautiful to have them in the studio and connect and talk all about the many reasons why you may like to consider showing us some love here at Triple R in the shape of a subscription or a donation. And you may like to subscribe to this show or one of the many other amazing shows that are on triple R or the station in general, there are a range of prizes as well that you do go in the running to win. And you do have up until the 4th of October to do that. So a little bit of time, but something to consider and you can find out all about that on the triple R website at rr.org.au And, Today I am back to normal programming for Banksia and first off I'll be joined by multidisciplinary artist and choreographer Amrita Hevi who is of Bundjalung and Nāpūī ancestry and we'll be talking all about her new exhibition, Straight Talk Twin Series, which opened a couple of weeks ago at the Anna Schwartz Gallery in the CBD, and it's open until the 23rd of September. And it's a really beautiful exhibition, which features a series of intimate images with her sister against a backdrop of her birthplace of Townsville. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to learning more and unpacking more about it, as it really is a special... Exhibition that I have been lucky to get to, and highly recommend those listening in consider getting along to it as well. And she also has a Soothsayer Serenades, which is currently circulating at the Samuel Dorsky Museum of Art New York City, ahead of touring performance work rinse in North America in. Early 2024, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to chatting with Amrita shortly, and in the second half of the show, I'll be sharing a recent conversation I had with actor, writer and director Hunter Page Lashad, who is a descendant of the nanukul people of the Mananjali clan of the Yangon Bay tribe, and they are also the writer of Bangara production, Waru, which will be here in um, from the 12th to the 19th of September at the Arts Centre. And Waru is a production that Hunter does work on with their dad, Stephen Page. And it's based around a small turtle who undertakes a journey of discovery and survival. And it's an interactive and immersive introduction to Torres Strait Islander culture and dance for children's aged three to seven years old but I'm sure it's one that's really great for people of all ages so yeah, really looking forward to sharing that conversation later on in the show so stick around and listen to that if you can otherwise I'm sure that you can listen back to it on the Triple R website later and at the top there as well I had a track from First Nations artist Jada Weasel and that was called Hands of Addiction, which is from their super new EP release, No Peace, which came out on Friday. So only a couple of days old and it's a really beautiful release that you may like to look up and give a listen. And I'm now going to leave you with a track from the project Yurundia from Fred Leone and Samuel Pankhurst and this track is called Yuan Gan and it's from their debut album which should be coming out soon and I'll be back with you soon. Triple R. Super excited to be joined on the air by a special guest and that is Amrita Hepi who is a multidisciplinary artist and choreographer of Bunjalung and Napui ancestry and we're here to talk all about the new exhibition, Straight Talk, Twin Series, which opened a couple of weeks ago at Anna Schwartz Gallery. Firstly, Amrita, thank you so much for joining me today. Welcome to Bangsia.
1: Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's so great to have
0: you join me today. And, yeah, as I mentioned, so we're here to talk about your new exhibition, Straight Talk, Twin Series, which recently opened at Anna Schwartz gallery um congrats on the exhibition it's a really beautiful one um yeah how does it feel to have this one open and sharing it with people
1: sure uh well thanks for having me and thank you for the kind words yes it feels really good it's um well i guess it's a slight detour or not even detour actually it's my first commercial solo show so it's in a different, slightly different context to uh, what I'm used to, but it's been really, really great. Um, the works themselves are it's a mixture of video, photography and installation. Mm. And it was shot in Townsville with my younger but strikingly similar looking sister, Laura. Laura. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, I love the mixed
0: mediums in the exhibition. And you're mentioning this is slightly um, maybe a bit different to what you're used to. And I know that I've seen a number of your works um, that have been more maybe film and based around your choreography and dance works. Um, Yeah, how did it feel to be working in something that has, yeah, slightly different mediums with more still images um, and the installation? as well in addition to the film work
1: i think that really um when i'm making work like there's always the idea of coming back to dance and choreography as the skill set by which uh i'm coming from so mm. the images themselves are kind of set up uh between me and my sister and while and there's a certain performativity underneath all of them yeah. and uh Well, it's my, maybe my first show in Melbourne of photography. Um, It's something that I've been kind of honing in on for a while. I recently had a show at the National Portrait Gallery that had to do with photography um, and the fawn. And I think that it's an interesting medium to be working in uh, coming from a performance background because it's almost like everything happens up to the shot and around the shot and just beyond the frame. Um, So you're like looking for those moments uh, like the vaulter of a poem Mm -hmm. or or, uh, to kind of um, to have a a catalyst moment. And then, of course, the materiality of how you're printing that changes things as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely an element of performance in the images of this uh, exhibition and the series, and even the layout of it and how yeah each of the images are essentially framed because it's not just a straightforward image. Like it's quite interesting how you have printed and presented these images, whether it's in two different frames or yeah printed on the blinds as well, which I think is a really interesting way of presenting photographic images um I've never seen that before um yeah how did how was it for you in terms of I guess thinking about interesting ways to present this because like not only
1: Mm.
0: yeah it's all kind of unique the way everything's presented it's not as straightforward
1: Mm -mm. well I mean I think the best way to talk about the framing of it materially is to talk about um, to go back to the context of within which I made it. So I made Street Talk Twin Series uh, with my half-sister Laura in our mm-hmm. shared birthplace at Townsville. And this is a coastal town in port known for the Great Barrier Reef for military, universities, blackbirding, stingers, and uh, apparently, according to Google Reviews, and the latest news, severe social issues. Mm -hmm. So Laura still lives there and I left early on in life and we share the same father and different mothers. Mm -hmm. So we're visibly related, incredibly different, but Mm -hmm. invariably from the same stock or origin. And so these stage kind of split scenes, photographs, lenticulars or blinds, and video play out and highlight our likeness in a fabricated tropical natural sonography, but also with somewhat of a dark and searching facades or undertones. And these glossy images project a kind of personal ficto criticism of North Queensland and sisterhood. I wanted to kind of riff off our dialectic similarities, however, uh, the broader kind of framework and this kind of splitting comes from a language technique called a homophone, mm-hmm. and uh, I guess homophones in English language are two words that uh, sound the same coming out of the mouth, but have very have different meanings depending on context and where they sit in the uh, in a sentence, and also, but sometimes not. They're confusing. Mm-mm. I have I think that um a part of the show when I was thinking about things. Uh a lot of it was to do with my own interests but also ambivalence about the English language or even language in general. Um and so it kind of that felt like a great kind of framing device. And then to go into the materiality of it, especially with the blinds, originally it was I was looking at potentially making lenticulars. Mm-hmm. So lenticulars are uh to define them, they're kind of images that maybe have two. Images within them, they remind you of the things that you get at the uh, yeah, Easter yeah. show. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like eyes are closed, eyes are open. And then with testing and looking at these, I was like, this isn't right. And there was something about these blinds that kind of provided almost a lenticular and almost Mm-mm. spoke to like, domesticity while still so it became incredibly familiar as a material while also providing something slightly ajar. So um, I liked I liked the perspective of that in terms of the photographs I wanted them to almost look like uh, like I guess yeah this ficto fictocritic- critis- criticism of North Queensland but almost as if you could split them across like advertising screens mm-hmm. or that they could be um, that that none of the Im- images or not all of them exactly ever quite met um, mm-hmm. identically together.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's, um, I love the exhibition and yeah, I love the way that, yeah, the okay. images are presented and split, like you're saying. Um, but then there's also an element of like symmetry in them as well. Um, in kind of interesting ways, I know that there's the image where you're both wearing like a colorful, like top. Um, and it feels almost <laughs> symmetrical. <laughs> and it feels almost symmetrical, but it's not quite and it's just and then also where the the video is at the back of the room but then there's the photograph which is looks like it's taken from that same i guess setup um so it's yeah kind of interesting the way it's all presented um and i think it's quite beautiful and then yeah just that Beautiful and warm connection between you and your sister as well, and you see that in the film. And I think the yeah, the facial expressions that just show a level of warmth between the two of you, and it's quite sweet and innocent. Um, yeah, in terms of, I guess, presenting that in this exhibition, um, why was that? I guess maybe important for you in sharing that because it feels quite almost vulnerable a um, bet- uh, connection between you and your sister.
1: Mm. Well, I mean, me and my sister, we, are, we've had like an interesting journey, and I think that there is a vulnerability in regards to looking at the kind of kinship ties, which are invariably there through my father, and this idea of having a half sister, um, but like that kind of classification has always sat somewhat weirdly with me. And then I think there's also something nice about this kind of framing of uh, symmetrical, identical, but as soon as you put two things together like that, you're almost looking for the difference in them. You're like, are they twins? What's separate from them? And you find yourself scanning the image to to go, ah, like this is what's different. This is what's not the same. I think that there's something um there's, there was something about presenting these these to like almost similar to almost highlight the the differences that there are between us, especially in this kind of like visual lexicon of of looking at all these different um I, I guess like staged scenes. Oh. And especially at a time like this, I think with uh I mean, I don't want to allude to the fact that we're we're making this grand statement on, on the voice. But I think that the, for Aboriginal people, there is always like a, there is a tendency to, under different hegemonic circumstances, flatten to all the same. Mm -mm. And I think that there is this idea that while we make that, that, you know, that, even though there is a similarity, there is a vast difference. Mm-mm. And yes, it's like very vulnerable working with family, uh, especially siblings. But I mean, after I did it with my my this sister, my other sister was like, "Oh, what, when are you going to do it with me?" And my- <laughs> i been asking to be in my work for a long time. <laughs> but yeah, there is there was this feeling underneath Mm-mm. it that was like, you know, I think. Uh, you know, thinking through homophones, but also thinking through having like putting these images side by side that, that not everything is like um, underneath a kind of group think exercise or, yeah. I mean, to be bleedingly obvious, to say we are not all one and the same. Mm-mm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I can definitely yeah, see that, um, yeah. Thinking or, yeah, kind of looking at the image of, Yeah, you and your sister where you do look quite similar, but then, yeah, there's differences and it is something that you do think about um, and that idea of symmetry, but then you're always looking for something that's a bit different and, yeah, we're not all the same. Um, And in terms of uh, with this work um, and capturing it and having it based in Townsville, um, I guess, is that something that you've been thinking about for a while in terms of producing works that have been based in Townsville as your place of birth?
1: Mm, I think um, I think I think there's something incredibly uh engaging about far north Queensland. I think that it's like almost it's so beautiful, but it's also got this kind of uh it's got its own like horror that's sitting beneath the surface of that and that's partly historical that's also um, has to do with I guess like the oceans and the landscape there and I think that there was always something that was drawing me back up there because Townsville is this place whereby on the surface it looks like this uh, almost like a resort town Mm -hmm. with water parks along the strand but then we're kind of looking at the history. I mean we could say this about a lot of places in this country Mm -hmm. but I knew that I wanted to return to Townsville just because for me it's always held a kind of, Uh, mythology or it feels like it's the beginning of some kind of greater myth. Like it holds a lot of ideology within the landscape, within the people, within the army bases. there. I think it's really rich and fertile. And, I mean, there's also the fact that, uh, yeah, there's a certain kinship to like tied to that place through my family moving there. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, and I think, I, I mean, there's this also. There's this like it's shot between Townsville and Maggie, or oh, Magnetic Island, mm-hmm. and even that island, whereby you know you can swim in the sea, but you don't want to swim out too far uh, in terms of not getting stung by stingers. And Mm-mm. it's almost like we call stingers this quite like cute, affectionate <laughs> name, but really they they can kill you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was something about that that I always found um yeah, interesting. The kind of like um harsh reality underneath this paradise.
0: mm Yeah, it's um yeah, quite interesting, yeah, having this body of work produced or captured in Townsville. However, like I, I, I guess I haven't actually been to Townsville, so I wouldn't really know, but I wouldn't necessarily say that there's necessarily really recognizable places in the images where you would know it's Townsville, maybe the fountain, but yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. The one the one place is the the two kind of things that I think make it like if you know, you know mm. is that tiny little car.
0: Ah in yeah the, the red
1: the car. car the car is like very iconic to Magnetic Island right. and it's almost like my dad used to call it the poor man's convertible, or <laughs> then he or then he changed it to like the black man's convertible, and I was like, wait a second, why do we have to be like? Can't we can't we just have a? What does that mean? Yeah, but um, that 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 as well as yes, the water park. Mm. I mean, in terms of natural features, um, there was like a there was a few kind of B roll photographs that we didn't use that we there was also an idea at one point to try and go underwater and really try and shoot like on a micro uh level to present in a macro way Mm -hmm. but yeah I think look I think that um the other important thing was being while the imagery doesn't always like speak that like to the place it's it's where my sister's Mm -hmm. from and it also facilitated a kind of like um, backdrop or sonography for us in order to um, be in and in front of the camera Mm -hmm. my sister is not a performer actually she's uh, she works for a dance company in Townsville called Dance North but is uh, going back to study uh, archaeology and anthropology at university so she's very much a behind-the-scenes person. So it felt better to have her situated in front of the camera in our mm-hmm. hometown.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, sometimes it's really lovely, yeah, to have people, I guess, move into a space that they're not necessarily familiar with. But, yeah, seeing this um, exhibition that, and the level of performance, like with the film work, there's obviously a level of choreography in that Um and how you both present in a symmetrical way, um, but then, um, yeah, I guess in terms of since it's opened a couple of weeks ago, how's the response been to it since then?
1: Yeah, I think there's been a pretty broad response. I unfortunately, um, after the show opened, had to. I'm currently based between Nam and uh, Bangkok, so. <laughs> but as far as um. As far as I've heard and seen and when I've spoken to people, there is like a, there's almost like the the people, the strongest response, the most memorable response has been people looking at the blinds, but also people that have had sisters that are like, mm. you know, that some of the images, even though they were like, I, they said to me, oh, Sometimes, when you're looking just beyond the camera or when you've got your backs to each other, it reminds me of the kind of um, that we, me and my sisters would, or even my family, but especially my sisters, would have these fights, have these big blow ups, and then just as you think it couldn't get any worse, it's it cools off for a second, and then you're back to being friends. That there was a kind of psychic sensibility within sisterhood that they saw, which I. That was my favourite feedback of the show so far.
0: <laughs> <I> <laughs> yeah,
1: that in- yeah, those kind of intimate
0: relationships that we have with siblings um, that obviously people are connecting with um, through this exhibition, which is quite special. And um, earlier you were mentioning B-roll of the exhibition or just when you were capturing it. So with this particular, um, yeah, selection of work, so there's eight pieces. Um, do you have any thoughts around potentially – releasing any of the b-roll at some stage in some form or
1: probably i mean you keep all of these things and you hmm. pour over the. some of the images have been used to like prototype try other kind of sculptural elements with them potentially definitely potentially but um yeah i think uh yeah there's a few there's a few more i don't have any plans as hmm. of yet but I mean, give me a minute <laughs> and, and they might be back out there as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um and for people listening in as well. So I've been having a conversation with Amrita Heppy about their Exhibition Street Talk Twin Series, which is currently open at Anna Schwartz Gallery in the C B D of NAM up until the twenty third of September. It's a really beautiful exhibition and yeah, I highly recommend people uh, listening and to consider getting along, and yeah, I've definitely seen your works as well in a number of other places, including um the piece, "A Call to Echo," which is at Sam the Shepherd and Arts Museum, um as well as a piece the anguilla pursuit which was at composite um last year through the composite agency first Nations screening program and those are two film works um that have more of that choreography work that you do captured in them and uh, i think it's really yeah beautiful to see your work in different forms to which you also have um the soothsayer serenades which is circulating
1: in new york city um can you tell us about that project Sure. Um, CCA Serenades uh, started in lockdown uh, and it was a prompt to move together without documentation, without Zoom, without Insta Live. I noticed that in the pandemic, there was this kind of uh, this response to do everything online right away. Um, I almost had this like vehement uh, recalcitrance. I was like, I'm not teaching an online dance class. I don't (laughs) even like taking them. I mean, as as the pandemic went on, I think people got better at that format, but there was almost like this immediate market-driven demand Mm. to – to, to do things straight away, which mm. I understand. And, look, I'm an enthusiastic participant for the most part, but as things kind of dwindled and went away, I was like, why Why in this moment am I uh, contributing to this, like, constant surveillance of productivity? And so mm. CSA Serenades became a project whereby I asked artists, um, to put together a prompt and a playlist and it would be released at 4 p.m. on a Wednesday and people would listen to it, go for a walk, dance if they wanted to, do their gardening, listen to it at a later date. Basically it's a time, it's it's a playlist that's released at 4 p.m. each week. And that then got picked up by... Uh, the International Curators Forum, which it's actually, weirdly, it's been one of these things that's been like the longest running, uh, one of the longest running participatory artworks that I've ever made. Mm. And so, yes, that's at the Dorsky Museum now. And one of my favourite things about that project is that, you know, you get, it's a simple outline for artists to, to do something, to participate, and the prompts that you get are, like, gorgeous. And also it's it's been a really great way to collect New music, as well as to have something that people can participate in without having to um, to necessarily be overly productive or give away their artist fee. So, yes.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds like a pretty special project, and how it's yeah been the longest running of yours, and it's still running now um, post pandemic, um, which is pretty cool. Um, it sounds like maybe there's no real kind of end date for it. Well, I guess you'll kind of see. <laughs> um, and you're also getting ready for a touring performance of the work Rents um, in North America in early 2024. Um, how are you feeling about that? Because that's actually not that far away.
1: No, it's not. Yeah, I'm feeling really positive about Rents. I'm looking at the moment I of, you know, bringing it back to Nam, which is kind of where it originated. But mm-hmm. uh, first stop will be Montreal on that tour. But and actually, you know, next, isn't it, there? in two weeks' time, I'll go to um another performance is that I'm going to uh, Transform Festival in Leeds with right. Aphid. Um, doing idea with um maker lara toms and but yes rinse it's it's almost it's one of those things that in my mind when i think about it i i can dance it out so that's helpful Mm. dance it and talk it out but then when i think about doing it versus doing it it's a Mm. whole different kind of physical metaphysical and uh yeah, journey of, like, pacing and time and practice. So uh, Rinse is a a solo dance work. It's 60 minutes, an evening-length performance, and it speaks about um, beginnings. It basically looks at trying to name all of these beginnings that loop together underneath my history, underneath a broader history, underneath, like, a world history and how to contextualise them from the self, from the personal, and how that personal Try attempts to touch on the universal. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, the one thing when people watch that work, they're like, usually there's a question of, like, how did you remember the steps? And then there's another question when I do that work, they're like, how did you remember the words and the steps at the same time? (laughs) I'm like, I think. I'm like practice, but Mm-mm. there is something about the timing and the pacing of using text or language in a uh, in that process. In order to how to how to let the it's like words mean one thing, but how do you let the body speak at the same time to say something different to support an image, and so that there's this like a yeah, there's like a um, I guess a symbiosis between the words, the dance, and then the feeling of putting it in a theatre and being witnessed and what that context then speaks to again.
0: Mm-mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it sounds yeah, um, amazing to be taking this obviously to America um, next year and also, yeah, do you have anything else that you're working on at the moment that you can tell us about why you're here or?
1: At the moment, I'm really excited, as I mentioned before, um, going to – oh dear going to present oh dear mm-hmm. with lara Toms and that's like a a work that involves i guess a cast of about 12 to 15 people we've done it we did it in rising and we'll be doing it in leeds mm-hmm. and basically everybody on stage has either lost one parent or both of their parents and yeah. it's kind of exploring how uh in a lot of child literature or almost all Disney films, the fun starts when the parents die, Mm -mm. that there's these self-formed children. um, You know, we've got Cinderella, Belle from Beauty and the Beast, Frodo Baggins, James Bond, Pippi Longstocking's Annie, that there's this kind of trope of the orphan that when they don't know where they're from, then they're able to accelerate further, which is something that I find like almost like diametrically opposed to an idea of First Nations um, selfhood, which is being able to name your family, Mm -mm. name where you're from, Mm -mm. know this kind of like history and line running through. um, And if you've been lucky enough to grow up with both of your parents, so some of us, um, especially in earlier generations, have not. Mm -mm. But I think that... um, Really excited to tour that work. It's like a, uh, it's like a big fun. Um, even though the subject matter is quite morbid, mm. it's very. Um, the opening scene is like Nemo, who's my friend Jason, kind of doing this almost like five minute dance solo mm. um, with the orange face, which is like, yeah, beautiful. It's kind of bizarre and hilarious. And then at the end of the year. Um, I'm looking forward to coming back uh, to do pieces as part of Lucy Guerin's uh, initiative at the substation, so making a new 20-minute work.
0: Hi oh, yeah, amazing. Um, yeah, Amrita, it's been really beautiful to connect with you today and hear all about your work. And yeah, for people listening in as well. So I've been having a conversation with Amrita Happy, and we've been talking about a few different projects that they have. But then especially the Straight Talk Twin Series exhibition, which is currently open at Anna Schwartz Gallery in the CBD of Nam until the twenty third of September. Um, but you're getting ready to head off to Leeds in a couple of weeks as well for dear and later or oh, early 2024 to present um rinse in north america um but yeah i'll put up more information to all of those on the triple r website as well um and marita thank you so much for joining me today um yeah i look forward to chatting to you again another time soon and yeah good luck with it all
1: thank you so much for having me vanessa i'll speak to you soon yeah sounds good see ya
0: Triple R on FM, digital, online and via the app. Thanks so much for being here. It means a lot. You're listening to Banksia on 3 Triple R. My name is Vanessa Morris and I'm now incredibly excited to be joined by actor, writer and director Hunter Page Lashad to talk all about Bangara production, Waru, which is the journey of the small turtle and it's going to be here in um, at the Arts Centre from the 12th to the 19th of September. Hunter is a descendant of the Nunukul people of the Mananjali clan of the Yangon Bay tribe Firstly, Hunter, thank you so much for joining me today. Welcome to Banksia.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, it's really great to have you and yeah, as I mentioned, so we're here to talk about Waru the Bangar production which is getting ready to have some shows around the country, which is super exciting. Um, how does it feel to have Waru getting ready to tour the country and engaging with different audiences?
2: it's it's really good because we we kind of only set it up to be uh, shown at um in 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 Sydney at that time as it was um a part of a festival i think and um and so you know we never had the idea of actually showing it to the country itself but i think as soon as we started making it those those ideas were really strong in our head because of because of what the show was giving you know how it was um uh, bringing, bringing kids of all, all cultures together and kind of teaching them a bit of culture, but also teaching them a bit of language, a bit of movement and, 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 and keeping them engaged for 45 minutes long while, while also teaching them about the environment and about, you know, the, the turtle, especially in the life cycle of the turtle. So, you know, something that, that's very educational, you know, um, scientifically but also very um educational culturally as well and and being able to give that to a wider audience of children is amazing it's it's actually the it's it is the goal
0: yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You were mentioning how yeah this production is educational, but then um, really engaging with children as well, and a really a special way to yeah educate and engage with children and teach them about culture and the environment and everything. Um, yeah, for those listening in, can you tell us about the story of Waru behind that?
2: Yeah, so so the story of Wauru is about miji the, the the small turtle, and Akumala, who's a caretaker, played by Elma Chris, who is a, an alumni of Bengara Dance Theatre, mm-hmm. and with the help of Sunny Townsend and, and um, Lenora Didi, um, who was our linguist, they're all uh, Torres Strait Islander pra- practitioners, and so they they um, shared their story, but but uh the the story really just follows a caretaker on an island who's who's nurturing the nesting of of a mother turtle and and the mother turtle lays an egg and out of the egg um, comes uh Midgey, the small turtle and so elma kind of takes us on this journey following Midgey, the small turtle as we help her go out to the ocean experience her life and then eventually come back to the island to lay her own eggs. And so the cycle repeats. And so, and so we follow this journey through um, Midji, And so we see, we, we, we help her leave the nest. We help her defend off uh, animal threats like lizards and, and, and other threats. And, and then we also help her fend off uh, human threats like pollution and plastic and other things that uh, pollute our waters. And then, and then we help her come back and follow the tides to come back to the island to then um, lay her own eggs. So it's a beautiful story um, about, you know, life and nurturing country and making sure that uh, we nurture the, the next stage of our youth to then go on and do the same thing. It's all about legacy.
0: Yeah, 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 a really amazing story um, to use to educate young people on these different matters that are covered through it from environment to culture to which this performance, Waru, focuses on Torres Strait Islander culture as well. Um, Can you tell us about that kind of process of capturing Torres Strait Islander culture and how that was from your role as the writer of Waru?
2: definitely um so we so obviously we we worked with Elma Chris and Sonny Townsend and leora didi and um and and we um we we you know dad especially he uh grabbed so they were all talking about um two thousand and one production that they did with Bengara that mm. was a triple bill that had a... A uh, production called uh, Roo Turtle and Barolga, mm-hmm. and um, and so Turtle was was derived from the Torres Strait Islander dances at the time, mm-hmm. and so he brought on the Torres Strait Islander dancers back to kind of delve into that turtle story and 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 reimagine it and see and see how they can turn it into a 45-minute production that could be shown to kids, mm-hmm. and and so that was kind of the first the first step and as a writer coming in, you know, and being an Indigenous um, person myself, you know, we, we, you know, those, those weren't our stories. So, so we mm-hmm. really listened and, and, and paid attention to what Elma and Sonny and Ooh, Lenora had to say. And, you know, Elma, Elma was a big, a big part of it. Um, and she's the lead actress and, and she was a big part of the development and trying to figure out, Some of the different segments and how that related to Torres Strait Islander culture and uh, things uh, such as the tides and, and the four winds and the two moons. So 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 the a time period of two moons is when the is when the turtle eggs will hatch. Mm-hmm. And so, and so, there, there's there, there's all these Torres Strait Islander cultural elements that are interwoven into the story that help give us the guidelines of how to nurture these turtles.
0: Yeah, it sounds um, really incredible to yeah capture this knowledge and continue it through Waru and as you're mentioning that earlier production, the 2001 one from Bangara and using that as an inspiration to continue that knowledge now and then also making it in a way that is engaging for young children as well, mm-hmm. which is quite interesting when you think about different ways to communicate and educate young people. Exactly. Um, yeah, how yeah. is that for you, I guess, as the writer and thinking about ways of storytelling that are engaging for younger
2: people? Well, well, I think um, I'm very fortunate enough to have experience with um, play school. Mm-hmm. So, so having um, written for play school, acted for play school and directed a play school episode, mm-hmm. um, there was a, an acute understanding of how to communicate to children and that was one of the things that I had to learn quite um, quickly mm-hmm. working for play school was, um, you know, sometimes sometimes the concepts uh, that we want to portray uh are a little bit too hard to explain. Mm-hmm. So it's finding the right tools and and the right language words to carry something across to a four-year-old brain, and mm-hmm. you know, and 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 you know, children these days and children always, you know, uh, have been such sponges and mm-hmm. and and especially when it comes to creativity and, and fantasy and, and this wide wide imagination. And so I think it's just really tapping into that and, and exploring the, the language around that. And, you know, this waru kind of helped us because at the end of the day, we're, we're trying to teach cultural things and mm-hmm. so cultural things are very easy to explain I think because mm-hmm. it's all based in movement and it's based in song mm-hmm. and it's based in language and, and, and so you know you're, we're, we're, we're teaching the kids language words and mm-hmm. we're teaching the kids um, movement to help Miggy get out into the ocean so they cross their arms to make flippers and, and by the end of the show they know a whole completed dance and mm-hmm. and so from a writing standpoint it was a bit easy to kind of attack this because we had a lot of tools to use such as movement and language and song and so yeah it was it was an interesting process but but I think with the experience of play school and using culture as a as a smorgasbord of how we communicate to the youth was a big you know aspect of the development
0: yeah it's interesting yeah the different methods and using movement language and song is quite engaging in interactive ways of communicating with young people to which Waru is an immersive and interactive production for young people. Um, Yeah, can you tell us a bit more about, I guess, that aspect of it?
2: Yeah, so I think at the very beginning... um one of the things that I said to dad and the development was that the one thing that helps children kind of pay attention and keeps their attention span kind of glued is, is making it interactive. And that's what play school does, does so well. You know, we, um, we, 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 always communicate to camera to, to tell the kids to sing along or to tell the kids to do the arts and crafts with us. Mm. And so that's something that I said to dad, i said, if we can find a way to incorporate the audience in, and to make it interactive then then I think it's going to help us and mm-hmm. and you know dad dad coming from a Bengara background and being very heavily movement based um, i think I think it was easy for him to find something that was interactive and and so yeah, and so we found uh, a series of movements that kind of are used in each segment to to help propel the story mm-hmm. um and so and so in each segment, the kids learn one piece of the movement, which is very easy sit-down movement, which is also derived from the Torres Strait Islander culture, which is, you know, a lot of their dances are uh, sit-down dances to standing dances, but mm. a lot of their sit-down dances are some of the things that I myself learnt as a young kid in primary school, and mm-hmm. was very, and it was something very easy to learn. Mm. And so, you know, we, we incorporated that in, and so throughout the whole play the kids are given one one set of eight, I guess, <laughs> mm-hmm. to 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 learn and then by the end of the play they've they they can put it all together and they've and they've learnt a complete dance.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds like a pretty fun performance and I know I saw a bit of a snippet from Waru and it looks yeah, really um, engaging and, yeah, for those listening in as well. So I've been having a yarn with actor, writer and director Hunter Page Lashard and we've been speaking all about the Bangara production, Waru, which is going to be at the Art Centre from the 12th to the 19th of September and I know you've mentioned it a couple of times about working on this with your dad, um, Stephen Page. Yeah, how's it been, I guess, working on this production with him?
2: Oh, it's been fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It, it's been it's been very easy, look. I've yeah. been, I've 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 worked with dad for ages and, and we're and we're always asked this kind of question and I don't mm. think you really <laughs> think about it to be brutally honest. Um, yeah. I think it's just such second nature to kind of just bounce off each other and and really kind of just work like work together really and so and so yeah, it was it was an easy process, you know, it mm. it, it had its moments but, but but those moments definitely do not stand out.
0: Mm-mm. Yeah, I could imagine, you're yeah, working with family, it feels kind of natural and a bit, yeah, kind of organic in a way and, yeah, it yeah. sounds quite beautiful. Um, are you working on anything else as well at the moment that you can tell us about uh, while you're here or...?
2: Nothing I can, um, you know, on on the record mm. kind of <laughs> thing. but, you know, me and my dad just started our own production company, oh, Jolly yeah. Howe, yeah. Um, DJ ALI, Jolly House, and so you know, we've got our own slate. I've got a couple of feature films and TV shows that I'm developing and he's got a couple of feature films and TV shows that he's developing and, you know, I I would just say watch this space for the Mm -hmm. next couple of years because, you know, our goal, well, my goal is, I've always had this goal, but my goal is to really kind of, you know, showcase, showcase an Australian industry that hasn't been showcased before, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and show the world as well as the Australian audience our true potential when it comes to cinema and TV. So so I'm excited to bring some stories. I'm always keen to uh, you know, I love telling stories. I love telling a mm. good old yarn. <laughs> so so hopefully I'll be able to tell some big yarns in the future that everyone can enjoy
0: yeah yeah it sounds yeah exciting and yeah, looking forward to yeah seeing whatever comes from you and as well as from your dad Stephen Page as well yeah for those listening in as well so I've been chatting with Hunter Page Lashard about Waru, um, the Bangara production which is at the Arts Centre from the 12th to the 19th of September but it's also travelling around the country and playing in many places over the next few months um, but I'll put up more information to that on the Triple R website. Hunter it's been really amazing to chat with you today thank you so much for joining me and sharing your time with me and telling me all about waru it's been amazing
2: no thank you for having me and everyone make sure you bring your Jajams to go see (laughs) waru
0: yeah yeah it sounds amazing um yeah thanks so much hunter um hope to chat to you soon
2: thank you thank you very much
0: Thanks for listening to the podcast of Banksia, a weekly show celebrating First Nations music, arts, and culture. Banksia is broadcast live on Triple R from Murundjeri Country each and every Monday from midday till 1 pm. Hope you've enjoyed the podcast and feel free to keep in touch at rrr.org.au or follow Banksia on Instagram at Banksia RRR.